0: Well, hello everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime here in Berks County in this beautiful global warming Saturday right here on AM Radio 11 EWFYL right here in Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. Folks, we are your choice for authenticity and exactitude. You tune in to us every Saturday morning, and you have been for five years because you know that we have the truth at the speed of sound, and we give you a perspective, folks that you just don't get anywhere else and we're going to break down the truth with a perspective that you want to see and understand but you know is is real and you also know and it concerns you enough to share in your social circles and whatnot folks so we appreciate you being with us and tuning into us you know folks today we have uh we're going to be talking a little bit about the cdc director residing uh she's going to be residing another one of biden's woke cabinet uh his parade of incompetence that are in his cabinet one more is resigning and it's the cdc director uh rochelle walensky she's kind of giving it up we'll talk about that a little bit we'll talk a bit about poll trump's poll numbers and how not only is he viewed more favorably than DeSantis, but he's also viewed more favorably than um than, uh than joe o biden as well We're going to talk about all Biden's floundering poll numbers. And we're going to talk about some uh, information from the Democrat communist camp and how they want to hear from other communists. Not just not just the commander and communist chief there. They don't want to just hear from him. They want to hear from everybody else in debate fashions. We're going to talk a little bit about the failing uh, media outlets that are failing and how George Soros seems to be helping them out. And we are going to talk about how Republicans are growing stronger, not just in Pennsylvania, but everywhere else. And the concern that the parties are having, like right here in Pennsylvania, about why they're doing what they're doing with open primaries. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk a little bit about North Carolina's new uh, veto-proof abortion law. We're going to talk about that as well. And that and a whole lot more, folks. So thanks for tuning in to our show and being with us today. We're going to jump right into it. Folks, I want to talk about a little bit about what's going on with the Republican Party. And again, I think what's really compelling on all this is that we're looking at uh, the party is growing stronger and it's growing. uh, Obviously, I mean, yeah, we've heard the the litany often from reporters and fake commentators and fake reporters and fake experts. Well, they don't like the Republicans anyway. And lately from others who just can't stomach Donald Trump, which is an amazing thing to me. But they've got something that they've got something of a point. And, you know, Republicans have lost four of the last seven presidential elections. And won fewer popular votes than Democrats in six of the seven years, uh, six of the seven elections. But Republicans, Republicans are increasing. We are growing, okay? Um, I mean we're yeah we're not competitive in California but we are we own Florida okay and we own a lot of other states as well Republican core constituency um they they you know basically they're they're uh they used to be the affluent uh you know uh master's degree individuals the yacht club mar- members yacht club card carrying members with the pedigree and uh well now those groups are starting to trend Democrat okay they are they're becoming solidly democrat they're they're becoming the globalists are becoming democrats so what used to be the core of the republican party the the uh you know like i said the the elites if you will are now becoming democrats so the democrats are getting the elites of course you know if you've been following political demographics more closely than most people and you know that there are they're 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 countervailing trends okay Uh, non-college white, non-college white people have been trending Republicans since around 2000, especially since Trump. Okay, and non-college Hispanic people and Black people seem to be headed their way too. Now, moreover, as the Times, the New York Times reported recently, again, fake expert Ross do do that. Okay, point out, but Republicans have won the popular vote for House in four of the of seven elections starting since 2008 and they won a majority of the seats in a a fifth race because Democrats in 2012 popular vote margin was due to heavy turnout for Barack Hussein Obama but again Republicans are winning these house districts and it's really compelling so I think that's important to know and again they're up every two years but there's better news for Republicans I think in the long run because they benefited marginally from the reapportionment of house seats and again this this uh supreme court decision i think in north carolina is going to we're going to gain another couple of house seats there but but again the redistricting forecast if you will based on uh extrapolations from 2022 census estimates uh you know arp shows california which gained seats in every caucus from 1850 to 2000 and just lost one seat in 2020 or losing five seats in 2030 right, uh, they're going to lose five more seats. It shows New York losing three seats and Illinois losing two seats. I know Pennsylvania's losing seats. Uh, this reflects large-scale flight from the, you know, the the, the states with all the, the hard-to-live-in states, okay, and the high-crime major metros, okay, and from what are three of the most heavily taxed areas. I mean, they are heavily taxed starting in, in the pandemic year, uh, You know, it also shows large-scale flight to low-tax states like Texas and Florida each, because each of those states are predicted to gain four houses in 2030. And Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Arizona, Utah, Idaho, and Delaware, one each will be gained. Again, those are all low-tax states. What's interesting is the low-tax states are gaining people, the high-tax states are losing people. And that's where the congressional seats are going. And what's interesting is uh, you see that even here in Pennsylvania, you know what would the shifts do to political balance well 2016 and 2020 elections in which uh, both of which the electoral votes were based on the 2010 census trump carried 25 states and one electoral vote in maine in both elections whereas uh hillary uh clinton and, and joe biden carried 19 states at district of columbia in both five states arizona georgia michigan pennsylvania w- wisconsin and one electoral vote, Nebraska switched from Trump in 2016 to o Biden In 2016, the balance between the consistently Trump and consistently Democrat electoral, vote, electoral votes was precisely even. So the 20, you had 22, 232 to 232. The 2020 reapportionment folks would have changed that just slightly to, to uh, 235 and 231 with the switching states dropping from 74 to 72 electoral votes but again when you're looking at the 2030 estimates you get a different picture so consistently trump states would have 247 electoral votes just short of the 23 of the majority needed while the consistent the consistently democratic states would have just 219 so what my dad used to always say you can win the election with the five most populated states well that might that's not going to be the case in in six years so i think what's interesting and we need to know this that things are changing the tide is changing and those consistent states are now going to have 247 electoral votes and again just looking at the 10 largest states which account for majority of the nation's population the consistently trump states would have 114 electoral votes and the democrats just 91 and the switching states and the switching states 50 so obviously there will be a significant partisan shift in the house towards republicans and the future isn't of course you know the, the future is not inevitable but democratic trends demographic trends can change over a decade and the 2022 period was was unusual still though still those empty seat spaces and uh, those empty office spaces i should say and rising crime rates in manhattan and philadelphia and chicago and los angeles and san francisco and detroit and all these other areas Suggest these states are still bleeding house seats electoral votes in likes of florida and texas that's the truth of it all and so over some time the politics trends to be balanced they've got to balance out republicans won the combined popular vote for president in 10 elections of uh during eisenhower's period okay and uh but the in in the 21 house elections in that stress during eisenhower uh democrats won the popular vote 53 to 46 so you're kind of seeing that a little bit now not as far wide but you're seeing that the republicans are doing better i i think the uh you know the democrats have gotten 49 to 45 percent but the republicans as democrats in house votes 48.1 to 48 point i should say point two look the bottom line is don't look for either party to disappear anytime soon but i can tell you What you're seeing in voting registration trends are real in pennsylvania what's happening is when people see the democrats they run for cover they 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 see the policies they see what's going on in states like washington where they're passing laws preventing parental rights preventing parents from interfering in their child's education and in their health care they're passing laws in oregon preventing christians from adopting children they're passing laws in california allowing people to compost their loved ones, okay, that die. Uh, you know, they're, they're seeing these insane policies, okay? They're hearing these Democrat governors, like the guys from Virginia, make a statement about babies that survive an abortion and how they're going to let that baby sit off the side and, uh, you know, just gasp for breath while the doctor, or I shouldn't say the abortionist, and the parents and everybody talks about what they want to do to save this baby who just survived the knife, They're going to let it die on the table. And I'll tell you something, when voters heard that, it turned a lot of people's stomach. Folks, this is what's happening. North Carolina's added up to their eyes with that stuff. So their lawmakers are now passing a veto-proof 12-week abortion ban. Hooray to North Carolina. Pro-life is on the march, okay? They're they're going to pass this law in North Carolina. I think it's very telling, okay, Uh, that their Republican-controlled state Senate passed legislation. With veto-proof majorities to outlaw the abortion, majority of abortions after twelve weeks, uh, their their Democratic Governor Roy Cooper promised to veto it, but he's flailing like a he's flailing like a you know like he can't see. He's just kind of groping for something in the dark. He he can't see. He's just flailing like a like a newborn. The Republican supermajority are going to override that veto, and the legislation passed both chambers on party line votes less you know just a couple of days ago. Um, so you know I mean the bottom line is the Democrats don't have a chance in in, uh, in beating it back you know the modern day Democrat has become unrec- the party has become unrecognizable folks and and this is what we all see I said this I mean th- throughout the entire country people see these crazy policies okay they they see that the media deliberately holding back on things like John Fetterman's you know, his his mental cognition after a stroke or his uh, his depression issues. None of this surfaced in time that to, for voters to make a decision for a renowned heart surge. And they all instead were uh, kept out of the public eye. So the public's not being dealt any service here by a fake news, fake media that's basically keeping the truth out. But again, the Democrats are unrecognizable, folks. that They want to villainize anyone who has free thought free judgment has any objective solutions that work who wants to get to work uh to 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 better to better their 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 community okay not just sit in the meeting and have a a workshop after a workshop but really work with individuals to get things done because well that's what public servants do it's interesting we've got many people that are in politics not not for the sake of being a public servant but because they want to enrich themselves, they want to enrich their own lives. They want to enrich their their own pocketbooks, okay? And uh, if you don't do exactly what the Democrats want you to do, they're going to absolutely, oh well, they're going to they're going to try to, to 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 burn you down, okay? Certainly they want to steamroll you, okay? We know that. But you know, the Democrats are vile, profane people. These people are just that's what they are. I mean, they're reprobates. I mean, if you don't agree with their they're they're denying of science and gender. Okay, then then you're then you're something horrible that they call you. Okay, if you don't agree that men should not participate in women's sports because they're claiming to be a, you know, because a man and I should say a man and woman face, which is what they call transitioning, a man and woman face should not participate in women's sports. If you say that, well, then you're some horrible individual that they call you some horrible, you know, they 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 they, they declare that you're some horrible person. You know, folks, that's just not the way it is. I disagree with their assessment of science. Okay, it's as simple as that. I disagree with their assessment of science with with climate change. I disagree with that because I see the evidence around me as they declare Miami will be underwater by 2010. I'm sorry, by 2012. I'm sorry, by 2020. I'm sorry, by 2035. I mean, they make these claims over and over and over that, you know, Miami's going to be underwater eventually. Okay, and by then they just keep putting off that that threshold, that timeline, so that you know people forget that they said it. Okay, I mean the bottom line is, folks, there's no place on planet Earth that's underwater today that wasn't underwater 100 years ago. So let's just cut the comedy. Let's cut the comedy. Okay, the reality is, we're 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 not. There is no such thing as a as a planet that's dying, if you will, because of global warming. No, the planet is dying, if you will, with the people that are that are killing other people. Okay, that you're seeing right now with the child labor laws that are being breached in countries like you know pakistan and others as they have child labor you know building the bricks and the brick kilns over there in pakistan or something okay this is what we do see okay this is this is the reality of what we do see okay but we don't see global warming uh ruining anything okay i mean this may has been a beautiful may there's been a great spring for the last three years of pennsylvania i don't think in three years, we got more than 18 inches of snow in total. Total in three years, I think that's fantastic, personally. Okay, I know warmer weather is healthier for Americans, uh, but instead, we're listening to people that spend that spent less time in school than Greta Thornburg. and we're listening to these people as the experts. Okay, on telling us you know, on on uh, you know what uh, what is unhealthy and healthy for Americans. I mean, let's cut the comedy again. I think okay, a, a warmer house in the winter and a cooler house in the summer are healthier for Americans. Okay, I believe that. Okay, <laughs> I think it's very vital for us to understand <clears throat> that you've got people out there that want us even to be walking distance. They don't want us to be able to get in a car and drive. They don't want us to be able to have the freedom of an automobile, let alone have the have the ability to not you know to have to have. Cool enough nights to where we can rest at night, and again, just be healthy. I think it's very telling. I mean, you know, these people—what well, they are again? Public servants. Why are they public servants? Are they looking to to get the inside knowledge on on on, on what policies are going to come out that are <clears throat> that'll favor some companies out there or or whatever? Is that what they're looking for so they could make their investments and, and make their money like the. You know what the Biden crime family has done? Okay, I don't know. I mean, look, I can tell you folks, <clears throat> there's a lot to be said when you look at why people do what they do and, and, and in politics. I mean, I understand that you have to have a salary good enough to bring people, okay, that have the ability to make money in the private sector. If you want to attract them in the public sector, you got to pay enough. I, I get all that. But I think a full-time, a full-time legislature in Pennsylvania is not the answer. I think we need a part-time legislature. And I don't just say that, folks. We have the most expensive legislature in the country, right here at PA. That's right. Our legislature costs more to, to, to Pennsylvania taxpayers than any other legislature costs the taxpayers of the other 49 respective states. Folks, that's the truth. You can bank out in Denver. Okay, this is what's happening. And now in Pennsylvania, right now, you've got state Republicans that want to have open primaries. Well, why in the world would somebody want to have an open primary? Let me explain what an open primary is. There's some states that have open primaries. New Hampshire is one of those states. Um, I believe New Hampshire has open primaries. There are states that have open primaries. An open primary is that as a Republican voter myself, I can vote in the Democrat primary if I choose to. Or I can vote in the Republican primary. An independent who's not registered in any party can also vote in any primary they want. Okay, a Democrat can vote in any primary that they want. So you say, well, what's the problem with that? Well, the issue comes down to is when you're in a state like Pennsylvania, when you've got three to 400,000 more registered Democrats in the state and you do register Republicans, it's not a good thing to have an open primary where you can have a few hundred thousand Republicans, uh, I should say a few hundred thousand votes be thrown into a Republican primary to water down Republican candidates. We know what that looks like. See, we know what it looks like when we elect a guy like Doug Mastriano to uh, head up our ticket for governor, okay, in the state of Pennsylvania, and then we have the Republican establishment behind there say, well, we're going to make some backroom deals with Josh Spurrier, because we're not going to, we're just not going to, we're not going to support Mastriano. Well, I'm not just saying that, folks. You need to look to see how much money Doug Mastriano actually got from the Republican National Governors Association. Now, the, the Republican National Senate Association and the, the Republican National Governors Association are both packs that were created so that they can get money to fund governor races as well as Senate races across this country. Now, the people that run these packs, if you will, Ms. McConnell ran the, uh, I believe he ran the one in the Senate, but I, I know that uh, Rick Scott in Florida was a player in there, too. But I think he and Mitch McConnell were butting heads because Rick's uh you know uh Senator Scott wanted to make sure that uh you know that he uh you know he wanted to make sure that uh that Florida Senator, I may not have the name right, forgive me if I don't. But that, you know, that he wanted to support, he wanted to basically throw money into certain races, and Mitch McConnell said, no, we're not doing that. So Mitch M- McConnell got in there and, and did his thing to to thwart all of that. So, you know, I, I you know, why would they do that? Why would Miss McConnell, you know, uh why why would Miss McConnell do that? Why why would they you know, why would they uh why would he want to put his finger on the scale there? That's that's the thing that I don't understand. Why would he do that? Okay, yeah, uh, it was Rick Scott, Rick Scott from Florida. He heads this up. So basically there was a big there was a big movement in the Senate to unseat McConnell, but that wasn't quite enough. They couldn't do it. But you know the thing with it is is Mitch McConnell just he's just not he, he's just not a he's more of an establishment guy. You know, he's like one of those and well, let me explain what that is. Okay, Rush Limbaugh explained it when the Christian Coalition back in 1988 got George H.W. Bush elected in 1988 over Governor Dukakis from Massachusetts. Or as my dad would say Massachusetts. Uh as uh, you know, you know you got you got him elected, okay? So the uh Rush Limbaugh actually his show got off the ground and he got a lot of traction and he helped, you know, he helped Bush. He helped him win. And uh there was a lot of uh there was a party that Rush went to and he was telling me well he was saying in the in an article that I, I read that, you know, they were poking their fingers in Rush's chest saying, What are we gonna do with these with these darn Christians now? What are we gonna do with them? Now that we won the race, what are we gonna do with these Christian coalition types? What are we gonna do with them? So what you're seeing right now is the America First is a Christian coalition that the people like us are the types that they don't like, and they're still dealing with us. The problem is we represent the majority of the Americans. And keep in mind, you know, we were here believing what we believe long before Trump came along. You know, it's not really Trump as much as it is. He's the leader of the of the uh, of the people that believe what well, what we believe on this show. And I think America First is something that Americans have always felt. I mean, they just always believe. Why don't we give in to the globalist globalist ideals? Why don't we Why don't we fight these trade wars to win? Okay, I you know it's a lot to be said of that. And and so, but what you're seeing right now in, in the state is these open primaries. So they're trying to push these open primaries because they want to weaken the candidates. They want more Liz Cheney Republicans. They want more, you know. Adam Kinsinger Republicans. They want fewer Donald Trump and Doug Bastriot Republicans. They want fewer of those. So by weakening the, the the floor, if you will, by weakening the vote in a in, in an open primary, they can actually have campaigns to 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 have hundreds of thousands of people statewide to vote in the different primary. Okay, I mean, I'm telling you, folks, if you don't think that happens, you're out of your mind. I, I'll tell you, it happens all the time. I mean, social media is the breeding ground of these, of these anti establishment Democrats. Okay. And to think that they wouldn't vote in a Republican primary to give us a candidate that couldn't win, you're out, you're kidding yourself. You know, don't kid yourself. Okay. What we, we, we shoot ourselves in the foot when we vote for this stuff, but we do it because it gives the donor class more control. It gives the people with the money and the finances more control. It takes control from the people. Because what happens is these people they they end up when I say what what kind of control they have. Well, in their circles of influence, they have people that run in Pennsylvania. We elect judges, so they'll they'll have people that want to run for judges. They'll have people that want to run for office, and so in their circles of influence, they'll they'll put that influence out there and they'll have a say on public policy. <clears throat> so people that could never get elected ever get elected to public office ever because of Horrible track records because of criminal records, many a times, or just because they're just not good people. Okay. They just have a lot of money. So what they do is they, they put their money into candidates as a good front. People that are former veterans or former, you know, heroes of, of some war or something or, or whatever. And, and they put these people out there as the front man. But the money driving them is what we're talking about here. So who controls what? Well, the people behind the scenes control it all. The elected people, the elected individuals, they don't make decisions in the favor of the people at all. So the type of Republicans that we've had in office were the ones that made promises they never kept, promises they didn't keep, promises for a better pursuit of happiness that was never pursued. This is why we have a broken education system in this country. This is why we have broken trade rules in this country. This is why we have open borders right now in this country. This is why we have high crime in this country. This is why we have mm, the issues we have. Because the elected bureaucrats that got in there are making decisions in favor of what the ones who control their finances want them to make. Nothing about the people there that are voting for it. So every election cycle, like in Philadelphia, every election cycle, these people come out they talk about all they want to do for the community in Philadelphia, all they want to do to help crime in Philadelphia, help the community, help people get, you know, get off the ground and get started in life. All they want to do to help the community. Every time they get elected, they say, they say, they say, but these people are controlled by the people who control the public policy and the finances in these elections. So, so those, those people that drive those cars, if you will, that drive those vehicles, the, 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 the finance vehicles, if you will, they're the ones controlling public policy. So the policies that get pushed are the same public policies that keep people down. You see, their goal is to keep people struggling. And that's what they do. They don't, you know, they don't want anybody to have too much because they don't need the government anymore. Then you don't need all these elected bureaucrats and and all these people that work for the city anymore. But make no mistake. So the, the open primary favors the people behind the unelected people behind the scenes that have all the money to control the funding. That's what it is. They're the ones steering politics in this state and this state and the other states that that push the open primary. They're pushing this. I don't know where it's going to go. I hope we don't do it. I mean, I'm adamantly opposed to open primaries. I think they're a, they're a detriment to the Republican party. Uh, and in states where there's more Republicans to, or, you know, communities where there's more Republicans, uh, they can be a detriment to the Democrat Party. I mean, no political, it does not do a favor for any political party to have open primaries. <clears throat> Certainly as a Republican, as America first Republican, I could say without any question that they don't favor the Republican Party. That much I can tell you. But I just think it's important that we understand and, 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 and appreciate the fact that what drives politics? And so, you know, when you're looking at the polling that's out there and so forth, I mean, Republicans aren't disappearing. They're getting stronger. They're growing. Okay. As I stated in Berks County, we were down about 40,000 votes seven years ago. Today, we're actually ahead of the Democrats in voter registration in Berks County. So that's a big deal. And we're the seventh largest county in Pennsylvania. So that's a big deal, or maybe eighth or ninth, somewhere in the top 10. But what's interesting, again, I want to I want to jump into something else. I, I think it's important that just we understand that polling and what, what the polling is. Right now, the Democrats are having it up to their eyes with this incompetent, that this man that, by the way, just yesterday declared a press conference. He declared to, in a, in a statement, as he's reading from a cue card, he got off the cue card. He says, today I'll have a press conference. Well, there was no press conference. And so his... You know, his chief of staff had to come out there and say, yeah, he, he made a mistake. He made a mistake. You know, folks, you got to ask yourself, why do the Democrats want to debate o Biden? You know, why does this guy Kennedy want to debate o Biden? Why, why does he want to do that? Because he knows that o Biden will forget his name sometime during the debate. He knows that o Biden's going to forget his wife's name sometime in the debate. He knows that o Biden's going to forget the name of the, you know, the moderator sometime during the debate. He knows that the king of forgetfulness is going to forget a whole lot, okay? Sometime during the debate, he's not going to be able to stick to public policy. He can't debate on a cue card. They don't want debating at all, okay? So they don't want this out there. They also know what happened in 1980 when Jimmy Carter went out there. Jimmy Jimmy, Jimmy Carter got out there, and, and during the Democrat debates was crushed. But he, they did re-elect the guy in the primary, but he was so morally wounded to, from the primary, he only won five states in that election. I mean, they know that. But what's interesting is nearly 80% of eligible voters who claim, I say claim, to have voted for old Biden, uh, that they agree um, that there should be debates. They they, they, they they, all agree that the Democrats should hold televised debates so eight out of ten democrats want to see debates so the party has been has been criticized for the fact that no debates are planned even after robert kennedy the nephew of of, of, of president john f kennedy and self-help author uh the 2020 democrat candidate marianne williamson also, also drawing her name out there she's an airhead though i'll tell you what marianne williamson if you ever listen to her speak i'll tell you what she sounds like a tarot card reader Trying to make public policy, it really is is a strange lady. But anyway, uh, but Robert F. Kennedy, as a uh, you know, he's the son of Robert Kennedy, and he's the nephew of John F. Kennedy. I mean, his voice comes across like like uh, nails across a blackboard. I mean, he's got a rough, rough voice. I don't know if he had thyroid problems or something. Somebody's affected his voice, and he doesn't speak, you know, like with with a smooth tone. He just doesn't. But uh, he's got the Kennedy name from what I understand he's got about 20% of the Republican Democrat Party are interested in what he has to say so he already has about 20% of the Democrats in his corner but I mean you know he's he's uh, he's called on O'Biden to meet him publicly on the debate stage but the Democrats want no part of it and I mean Obama doesn't want to debate him and, and it's just amazing it was funny Robert Kennedy looks just like his dad he does. He looks just like his dad. You look at the pictures. But anyway, 68% of eligible voters believe the Democrat Party should hold the debates, okay? Uh and then there were 15% of those polled uh so in some some strategy poll that came out. 15% that answered no, they shouldn't be tough like debate. I don't know who those 15% are. I'll tell you what, that goes to show you how strong groupthink is in the Democrat Party. I mean, the Redfield Wilton strategies poll that was conducted at 15% of Democrats. Uh, say that we believe in groupthink and we don't want to have any debates if our party doesn't want to have them. That's pretty amazing to me. I mean, there is no independence at all. in the Democrat Party, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, like I said, almost 80% agree there should be some debates when you look at it all the way through the poll. And, you know, when you, they need to have them. I mean, the bottom line is, I don't know how they're going to get around it. Uh, but, you know, it's the public needs to see the debates so we can see these Democrats in action again. As they declare Miami's going to be under water again by 2022 or something like that, I'm going look back and say that didn't happen. You know, we we've had, you know, it, it's just like I said. When you make declarations like that, you know, I mean, you're 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 sounding like, you know, like you don't know what you're talking you don't have a you don't have a gra- you don't have a grasp on reality. Okay, but in the end, it doesn't matter because <clears throat> the messy primary battle is going to be a nightmare for the Democrats, and they know that. They know that. And the leadership's never gonna to agree to debates that they have the potential to weaken Biden, even make him even weaker, which is something they don't wanna do because they don't wanna make him even well, that's what happened in nineteen eighty. I told you that's what I said, nineteen eighty. And even though despite the push from party membership for Biden to be, you know, to be declaring that he wants to debate, he they, they all know because they he can't get the cue cards out quick enough, okay? Uh, to answer the questions okay he just won't be able to do that now the dnc has already decided it's not going to have the debate so it's going to be interesting now biden's going to be i think nearly 100 okay at the end of the second term if he's re-elected uh i know i'm sorry 86 <clears throat> but he's like the 86 going on 110 he's not the 86 going on 70 okay i mean when you listen to him and you watch him like i said the way he look at his look at his announcement when he made his announcement, his announcement for a re-election, okay, a proclamation, whenever, and, and go back through history, and just, if you want to go to social media, or go go to Rumble, or something, and you can check the the audios, the audios of the people that made declarations of running for president, as well as the presidents that were making declarations of running a re-election effort, and every one of those statements, the energy, the excitement, the, you know, the 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 just the, the sheer vocal strength, okay, of that candidate making that announcement of a re-election effort, let alone an election effort, is always resounding. And then compare it with what happened with Joe Biden in his re-election announcement. Listen to it, you'll understand what I'm talking about, okay? I mean, he's whispering in in his re-election announcement. He's talking like he's like he's you know. You know, he's 95 years old. He's talking like he's talking to somebody that's sitting three feet away from him, just having a conversation. There's no energy about it. There's no excitement. There was no fervor. There was no, there was no, you know, there was nothing being, there was nothing being conveyed of, 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 of energy, excitement or, or fortitude. Okay. There was nothing there. And you make the comparison. Just look at the, look at the videotapes and audio tapes of previous former presidents who made their announcements for re-election look at Barack Hussein Obama's look at George H look at George W Bush's look at look at uh at Bill Clinton's uh you know look at uh, any of them I mean look at any of them okay uh Ronald Reagan's okay when he made his announcement for re-election Jimmy Carter when he made his announcement for re-election I mean make make no mistake look at any of them Richard Nixon look at any of them they're all going to be full of energy excitement vision uh you're going to see people try to try to bring people into a a, a a realm of of you know just get on board with what we're voting for and what we're pulling for type thing but with O'Biden biden and when he and then watch his and then see the contrast between O'Biden's biden's election announcement and on all, all the others okay go all the way back to harry truman for crying out loud just see what i'm talking about go to all the others you're going to understand it Okay. Oh, Biden was out there with his, he was softly speaking, and you could tell he wasn't thinking very clearly. You could tell that he had difficulty just trying to, you know, he just had difficulty trying to lineate a a path forward. And then he started demonizing Trump and everything else. It was just really horrible, a horrible reelection. So Democrats are not interested, but you know, Republicans are interested in what's going on with Trump. Trump's viewed more favorably than Desantis and in, in every Republican primary state, even in Florida, okay. And I will tell you, and and the uh, that's just that. But you're also seeing seeing as well that the uh, that the uh, that Trump is beating all Biden in a head-to-head matchup in any poll you see. I mean, Trump beats him by anywhere between seven to twelve points in any poll you look at. And I've I've seen I've seen a handful of them, but uh, some good polls, some not so good polls. But in every poll, he's way ahead. I just think it's important. Americans don't want another four years of this. They just don't. Americans want to win again. They want this country on the right track. You know, for if you look at uh, with the way Republicans view Trump, they deal more favorably than, than even Ron DeSantis. And and again, the Morning Consult survey, okay, that came out showed that Republican primary race voters, if you will, view Trump more favorably. Overall, seventy nine percent of the potential GOP primary voters view him view Trump favorably. Seventy nine percent view him favorably, okay, compared to twenty percent who have an unfavorable. And again, you look at Democrats, how many Democrats have an unfavorable view and a favorable view of O Biden? I mean, I'm telling you, don't make it. The the number of Democrats can have an unfavorable view of O Biden is over forty five percent. And the number of Democrats that have a favorable view of O'Biden is under forty percent. So it's kind of That says a lot about the condition of the party and who's where. So 8 out of 10 Republican primary voters like Trump. DeSantis comes in second in terms of favorability. As 73% have liked DeSantis, 13% have an unfavorable view of DeSantis, and 6% say never heard of him. But 8% said they had heard of him but have no opinion of the man. the 58% of potential GOP voters view Vice President Pence favorable at 30% have an unfavorable view. So you can see the strength of the party. 30% have an unfavorable view of, of, of Pence. You know, it's interesting. It says unfavorable number is second only to Liz Cheney as 52% view her unfavorably, which is interesting. So when you want to know what percent of a Republican Party is America first, I would say it's more than half, okay? And uh, because they don't like Liz Cheney. So when we in Berks County, when we make declarations like we don't, one, no more rhinos here, no more Liz Cheney types here. Well, in Berks County, it's not fifty-two percent of the Republican Party. In Berks County is probably ninety percent Republican Party. Now, when you go into the more liberal counties like Delaware County Montgomery, County, Montgomery County, and so forth, the percent of the Republican Party that have a favorable view of, of Liz Cheney is it probably increases dramatically, okay? So instead of forty eight percent having a favorable view or fifty eight percent having an unfavorable view of her. Uh, It's more than likely that it's, you know, it's, it's much different. Okay. I would say that Liz Cheney's favorables in Montgomery County are probably higher than Trump's. And I'm just going to go out on the limb and say that. But uh, in the establishment counties, you're seeing that, you're seeing that uh, Donald Trump is not as popular with those establishment Republicans. That's why they're having these open primaries. That's why Republicans are, are doing the open primary thing because the people that control the money in the Republican Party. Don't control the voters. They just control the politicians. They don't control the voters. So the open primary gives the control to the to them, more control, because then they can fund the different races to kind of have a Machiavellian scheme to get dif- different candidates to win the primary. That's what you got to understand. Don't miss that, okay? But anyway, you're going to go down the list on favorables and, and whatnot. I, I can go on all of that. But Trump basically is at 57%. DeSantis is at 22%. So that's like 80% of the party voting right there. And then you have the back, the rest of it kind of fall in the line with everybody else. They're all, you know, 5% or under. And, uh, no, there's nobody really with any, uh, any, any favorables there. So it, it's, this really is Trump's party, Trump's race and Trump's party. And I think everyone knows that. And again, that's a morning consult poll. Um, and Trump's increasing his, his approvals. That's what's really telling on all of that. But I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the, uh, the cabinet of joe o biden again joe o biden's cabinet is a parade of of a okay you got word salad harris who quite frankly uh drifts off into oblivion when she has her conversation sometimes she just starts repeating in other words what becomes part of her vocabulary and her her interaction with people are the political narratives that she's driving on okay so she starts regurgitating the political narratives over and over and uh, she doesn't sound like she's got her faculties together. She got Wordsell and Harris there, who's not in the job, again, for the competency, but in the job for something else, for, you know, things that, characteristics she was born with, okay? Uh, you've got Anthony Wink and Blinken and Nod. Now, Anthony blaken it winks and blinks and nods all the time. He gave a wink and a nod to Vladimir Putin. Uh, he also gave a wink and a nod to the, uh, to the, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop is he penned in as we now are fighting out that he penned in the uh, the the narrative for O Biden and the news media calling the laptop uh, Russian disinformation. So what's interesting is now we all know it's not Russian disinformation. Of course, we on our show knew we knew it wasn't disinformation; it was real. We knew what it was. So, but uh, make no mistake about that. Then you have Janet Yellen, okay, and of course she's. You know, she's never met a, a, a rate height she didn't like. Then you have Secretary of Defense, um, Austin Powers, Lloyd Austin Powers. Okay, uh, another one in And then you have Merrick Garland of the No Justice Department. Okay, Merrick Garland going after t- uh, parents in the in PTA meetings and school board meetings, okay, threatening them with uh labeling them as as domestic terrorists. Then you have the uh then you have the uh secretary of uh I want to say the, the the disease control. All right, then you have the so the the secretary of the the CDC. Okay, the CDC director. That's who she is. So she decides she's going to step down because she is now. I and you know it's interesting. I mean, well, why is the director of the CDC stepping down? So she's Rochelle Walensky, okay, and she's going to she's citing waning She's resigned, citing waning pandemic. So she's the head of the the CDC, as she's resigning. The waiting of the coronavirus pandemic was cited for the reason. Okay, uh, her last day is going to be June 30th. Okay, uh, she went. She sent a resignation directly to O'Biden, Biden, who had to have one of his staffers read it uh, so he could make heads or tails of it. Um, O'Biden Biden uh, basically appointed her as the CDC director in December, just before the first coronavirus vaccine were rolled out. Now they're figuring out that these vaccinations didn't help anybody, as they were, as she's on board is saying they're big. But they did, and everyone knows that now. And I think that's very, very telling. But uh, she reportedly expressed mixed feelings about the decision and gave no specific reason for walking away. But I think it had to do with the fact that, you know, they haven't updated the website. They haven't gotten into why they're, uh, you know, they just haven't done anything. They haven't updated the website. They haven't, they haven't, uh, you know, they still have information on the vaccinations and masking that they had on there two years ago. And we know what's going on right now with vaccinations. We know what's going on with their declarations. I mean, when we were making declarations, I mean, we were saying here on our show that the vaccinations were not always working to prevent COVID. As a matter of fact, the vaccinations gave people COVID. Well, they're now finding that out. They're also finding out that the masks that people were wearing weren't stopping people from getting COVID. They understand that now. And we also understand other side effects like, uh, you know, heart, heart problems, everything else that are coming from these vaccinations. But I think it's really, really telling because uh, you know, I think there's a lot of infighting because of the missteps that's going on. So the White House blames senior officials for uh for Joe Biden's administration, uh, blame for the center the C D C for demanding mask mandates. So, you know, I mean again, the world health or again, they, they were demanding remask mandates, okay? I mean, that's that's what you have to realize. They were supporting Rochelle Walensky. okay. Uh was part of the of the mask mandate demand and, and and she was part of it and you know they she took it she took a bullet for the team i guess i don't know what you want to call it but she took one for the team now the who said friday uh that covid no longer qualifies as a global emergency and the u.s public health emergency declaration is going to expire next week so the, pre- the spread of covid is no longer an unusual and unexpected event and the world has made significant impressive global progress. <laughs> And, and again, they, they understand, too, that the vaccinations just aren't doing it anymore. And and they and they know that, okay? And they also know that these vaccinations aren't helping anybody. But the CDC has a $12 billion budget, and more than 12,000 employees, okay? It's based over there in Atlanta. It's charged with protecting Americans from disease outbreaks and other public health threats. But, you know, there's no replacement for her been announced. But make no mistake, you know, she was declaring how we have to work together to prevent a fourth surge of the COVID. So they were all hoping for a fourth surge. It's like she kept we she kept talking about a narrative. These people aren't the head of the CDC. They are the they are the spokesperson, okay, that recites and regurgitates the narrative, the narrative that goes forward, uh telling people the need for mass mandates or vaccinations or boosters forever or 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 mandates on companies that force people into vaccinations and whatnot. This is what's happening, okay? And these news media agencies, they're all falling apart. These news outlets are all losing viewers. It's happening horribly. You know, Fox News has lost such a market cap with getting rid of Tucker, and it's unbelievable, okay? Um, but it's, it, you know, it's its really amazing that they they've lost so much. They've lost so much on it, okay? But what's interesting is all the stockholders, I mean, if you look at what's going on right now, Fox News CEO Rupert Murdoch, it's going to be forfeited i mean all of it's gonna it's gonna forfeit so much of, of of the stock right now they're, they're just forfeiting the, the value the cat value of, of of the stock okay um it's really it's really an amazing thing why do they because what's happening is they weren't protecting the the their, their biggest cash cow they had someone bringing viewers in to nearly five million people a night four million plus million people a night no news program ever brought that many people in they actually had Millions and millions watching him. Well, he was he's he was the Rush Limbaugh of night of, of 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 news programs, okay? And they took him off the air for whatever reasons they had. And and you know, they're trying to make up reasons, but what ends up happening is the way they handle it was so poorly and so bad. And and people know it was an attack against the man. And you know, they're gonna lose they've lost a lot on market cap. They went from three and a half million viewers to one and a half million viewers. They lost two million they've lost two thirds of their audience. And I would probably suggest to you now, MSNBC, I think, in the latest polling, uh, Nielsen ratings are actually coming ahead of Fox News on some of these news shows. So Fox has lost all of that, which means they're losing revenue from advertising. So the advertisers don't want to advertise because there's not going to be, or they won't pay as much for advertising because what brings up the value, if you will, of every time widget that's sold, okay, okay, time increment that's sold to an advertiser, what brings up that value is viewers numbers of viewers but don't miss that and the viewers that we're seeing right now we're seeing a massive problem here so don't miss that uh again um the you know buzzfeed is is funny buzzfeed's out buzzfeed's another one there was a leftist outlet they went out of business they're not being able to secure advertising funds needed to sustain operations once they start losing money on advertising you can't sell enough advertising nobody watches nobody cares so i mean you know uh so Soros is getting involved. So Vice Media is one of these outlets, and which is really interesting. As Vice Media made a deal with Soros, including Fortress Investment Group, which is uh, Soros fund management for roughly $400 million valuation. Vice Media was at its peak with $5.7 billion in 2017. Nearly all of Vice Media's stockholders, including, including CEO Rupert White, uh, Fox's Rupert Murdoch, okay, going to be forfeited as a result of the deal. It's going to elevate outstanding debts owed to the group and Sixth Street stockholders. So Soros has got a hedge fund and he's basically out there trying to, why why is he doing this? Why do you think he's buying a media outlet? Why is he doing this? Because he wants to hurt Americans. He wants to control what Americans hear. He wants to control what's said on the news. He doesn't want objective points being conveyed out there. This is why they do it. They do it because they want to control what's being said. They want to control the debate. They want to control the discussion. They want to control the perspectives. They know in a, in a land of groupthink, I mean, you know, we already know that 15% of Democrats are okay with no debates. I mean, there there's 15% of that party are like the land of groupthink. I mean, they know that. They're okay with, you know, one world order. They're okay with one media narrative. They're okay with no truth, no truth at all. Okay, they're okay with just voting Democrat. They don't care. Okay. But it's really it's really telling. I just think it's important that we understand, you know, when you when you when you look at why people do what they do. And you know, like I said, the axiom that we all know is that a society is defined by what it does not tolerate. And that's the truth of it. That's a society we're tolerating these outsiders like Soros to buy these media outlets or buy interests in them so they can control what's being stated and And put out there and talked about. And look, I I can tell you right now, I, I think as we look at it, we look at the world that we live in, okay, our traditions and lives are being defined right now by what we tolerate and what is not tolerated. And that's the truth of it all. We have this overturned reality, a reverse world. Okay, we're seeing it right now. I mean, men qualifying or participating in women's sports, men and women face, you know, participating in women's sports. We see that now. And we see people actually being okay with it okay i'm amazed at that okay um uh, i mean this truly is an evil kingdom where we're all being lied to every day our education system designed to keep our children from learning to read and write think about that i mean how do these media outlets control so much through groupthink because we're raising a generation that can't read and write they can't they they the groupthink is what they they gravitate to because they don't have what they don't have an ability to figure things out on their own okay and that's the truth i mean and you know i mean their iqs are limited and you know they're they're programmed easier by the counterculture and the media narrative I mean, this is all of it okay and i mean where it's to divide and keep people divided it's to divide and to keep our people divided i mean we're making laws okay uh norm, uh normalizing and justifying blatant sins in our society i mean like i said i mean the composting of a loved one friends let me make no let me tell you that that cannot is not normal you don't you don't compost your loved one okay the fact that california would pass a law that allows them to compost somebody is unbelievable okay it's unconscionable folks but they passed that law so these same people are passing laws and then they're about for electric cars and they're telling us how that's the wave of the future when these people declare that california is dying or the world's dying because of climate change we have to understand the same people that can pass laws, okay, allowing you to compost or allowing some of the compost to human being, okay, are the same people telling you that the world is being destroyed by mankind through through climate change. I mean, I, I those same insane people are passing insane public laws. Why would you believe these people? Why would you believe this policy to be good public policy? Why would you believe anything they could come up with is good public policy? Folks, we have to leave it there. Thanks, all of our listeners for tuning in today, being with us on this beautiful Saturday morning right here on AM Radio here in Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley, 1180 WFYL. Thanks for being with us every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. for waking up and giving us your mornings. Thank you for doing that. See you later on today at 1 p.m. for our show, The watchroom We've got a great show lined up, so tune in later for that. Folks, see you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.